Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. I'm joined today by Josh Peterson. Welcome, sir. Hello, Carl. How's life? Life is good, man. It's a busy time out there right now. A lot of activity for, for the MSPs and, and consultants out there. They're a busy lot right now. Plus mergers and acquisitions and all kinds of stuff we got to pay attention to. <laughs> Are you seeing that as well? Yeah, well, uh, there there's kind of this fever pitch at some point, and I wonder if there... Uh, this isn't part of our discussion for today, but I do wonder if there's some vacancy that's opening for people to take advantage of, you know, when there's all this gobbling up, you know. Uh, yeah. One of the things you may have noticed, I believe personally, when one company buys another company, there's a period of three to six months of absolute chaos in both companies. And I just think that's an opportunity for you to go in and take their <laughs> customers away from them. <laughs> I, you know, that I've never thought about that, but you're right. And I'll tell you, we're, we've seen this summer, we saw three of our clients sell their businesses at prices, which I am just astounded, astounded by and just excited for. In fact, later today, I have a call with a company that they're a telco and they bought an MSP and I won't tell them this and hopefully they'll never see this, but they overpaid for this thing by multiples I, I can't even imagine wow I'm looking at what they bought and I'm just like oh my god that is crazy so now's the time to sell now I think based <laughs> on my experience it's seller's market and I don't know who I was talking about one of our industry friends we were talking and um and, and he really he, he shared this idea that there's so much private equity money coming in and private funding money coming in that it's not like two or three years ago where it was million dollar company buying $800,000 company. That's still happening, but you're getting like this conglomerate saying, we just bought three companies. Now we're buying lots of companies. And it's, it's That's interesting. So, so it's changing the nature of our business. I mean, fundamentally, if everybody's becoming a multi-million dollar company that calls themselves an MSP, where does that leave two, three, four person shops? And that's, that's what I really care about because there's more of those than anything. I don't know if you would agree with me on that. Absolutely. I think that the place for them is run a tight shop, maybe do what you're just suggesting, pay attention to the activity around you, whatever that might look like, and be ready to sniper those, those deals. Maybe it's a client you lost to the big company three years ago. Maybe it's a great time to come back in. Well, and so I think, of course, I never do anything wrong. But when I look back uh, of a one time when I bought another uh, IT company, he was definitely not many services. <laughs> uh -huh. But what happened immediately is I put most of the attention of my company onto his biggest client, you right. know, kissing up to them, making them happy, you know, changing some of my procedures to fit what they wanted to do, dedicating too much labor to it. And then all of his small clients, I had somebody whose full-time job was to get them, get rid of them and move them off so that I could clean up my books and, you know, uh -huh. right-size the purchase that I'd made. And so uh, my own experience is being super well-intentioned, my, my company went into chaos and certainly the company I bought went into chaos. Uh, it turned out well at the end, but if you wanted to come in at that moment and steal my favorite client who was maybe not getting as much attention as they did the month before, that right. would have been your opportunity. 
presenting an opportunity. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. Somewhat unrelated, you and I were both at Channel Pro last week. Yes. In Boston. I had a conversation with a vendor who said something to me that I thought was really interesting, which is that uh, it's almost a flashback 15 years. A lot of these big companies are looking around and saying, you know what? We're underserving the S in SMB, that there's a lot of these tiny little businesses that are uh, one person, two person shops. And when you combine them all together, there's a lot of buying power there. And I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like Microsoft 2003. <laughs> sure, yeah. And, what did you think of that, that opinion or that thought? Well, I think it's, it's true today. It's always been true. But you know, you know, look at the larger vendors. If you are focusing on companies that buy RMM tools or antivirus a thousand uh, endpoints at a time, Mm-hmm. then somebody who manages 100 users uh, can't move the needle for you, uh-huh. right? But, it, but then when you turn around and you say, but there's a thousand of them with 100 users each, now it makes sense. And so, like I say, I think you're, we're going back to having people say, well, okay, maybe we do need to uh, pay some attention to the S. So, you know, what's old is new <laughs> And what goes around comes around. So yeah, that's that's right. And uh, you know, speaking of old and new, the um, one of the buyers of one of our clients this summer is a cloud company through and through. They everything's cloud. They, they have cloud integration, cloud this, cloud that. They're very cloud, and they bought a traditional MSP. And so already you're seeing this like we speak different languages. You know, even though we're you know, we serve clients, we serve them so differently. And it's, it's interesting to see how well the acquired company's clients will respond to the methodologies of the acquiring company, the buyer. So it, yeah, I, it, it's, it's just interesting. I don't really have a, a, a thought or an opinion as much as just, this is weird. This is crazy. So well, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in the position of buying or selling a company right now because it's confusing out there, I think. Right. Well, so let's come back to this, but the reason I asked you here today is to talk about peer teams. Uh, And so folks who who know Josh, Josh uh, was my coach a couple of times in the past and um, taught me how to pay attention to some core metrics in my business. And in fact, the presentation you did at Channel Pro was all about there's certain numbers you have to pay attention to. And, in, and it really doesn't matter how big you are or how small you are. So, you know, I guess connecting to the conversation we just had, you're the coach who says fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Yeah, yeah, right. So trick plays are fine, but, you know, uh, pay attention to the fundamentals. So Josh started some, he, he runs a lot of peer teams, but he started some that are focused on the managed services in a month model. Um, so, Give us a, a midterm report. How how are those groups doing? Yeah, you know we're we're I th- would you I'd say we're about six months in, maybe seven months in, and we had uh, some some folks join, and this is this is what I love about the guys who chose to join right there is we work with a lot of companies who are two million, three million, five million, and and they're awesome. They're they're they they've overcome some hurdles and they have a vision of what they want and and they have their struggles and demons and we work with that. What we found is these folks that have joined managed services in a month, these are the guys that have been grinding solo. They've gotten to 300,000, 400,000, which is awesome, 
but it's like your life is is crazy when you're when it's you and an admin or you and one tech or you and a part-time guy who helps out on his second job and you you know helps you out a peer team is like the most noble thing you can join for yourself because your sacrifice is great it's one thing for a guy who has a million dollar company to um, leave out of his business for two days maybe even three days because he's got he's got some techs he can handle maybe he's got a dispatcher he's got some people to kind of cover it now at that million dollar level he's still stressed out being gone but take that that guy who's four hundred thousand or three hundred thousand and he's gonna leave for two days to sit in this very optional thing to improve his business improve what he wants to do that's a guy that I just I fall in love with those guys so <laughs> And the peer team experience has been awesome in the managed services month model because we owe these guys a lot. We got to deliver some pretty incredible value and be a resource for things that they need today. It's one thing for me to trap these guys in a room at CompTIA in Downers Grove, Illinois, and talk about agreement gross profitability. And as much as they love that conversation, they're sitting there saying, yeah, but how do I get my phone to stop ringing with clients being mad? Or how do I... Why should I enter my time? Why should I make tickets for things? I just got to do stuff. And they're, they're, they're just, their energy is so high because they need, right now, what do I do about this? And how do I not find myself in this exact position again? So right. our conversations in these peer teams, Carl, are very real in the moment. How do I solve for X? And it's been amazing. I love it. And the people who are engaged in it right now, they have every range of emotion about what they're doing in this managed service in a month peer team because uh, one day they're like, I love my peers. These guys are awesome. And then we don't hear from you for three weeks because you got buried on some emergency project. Right. So it's, it's a very in the street, real experience for them and for me. And it's, it's yeah. going great. It's interesting. We talk about the evolution from, you know, the three, four, hundred thousand, and then the million, and then what, what do you do after a million? Well, you go to three, and then five, and then ten, and right. On. And you know, the interesting thing is that when people are in that small space, they know they have to get bigger. They know, they know every day where they're hitting the ceiling, and they know what all the problems are. Yeah, yeah. No matter like, how do I hire that first employee? How do I? How do I break this barrier, that barrier? And um, so it is quite a dedication to try to take time out of your business to work on your business. Michael Gerber loves to use the term, you know, doing it, doing it, doing it, right? That, like that's what they do. They like, can't help the phone rings and they have to start doing it instead yep. of working on the business. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful work you do. You're, you're, you're like, you know, a minister who's gone off to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Serve the most needy or whatever, right? Yeah. yeah so. you're, you're right. It, it, it's um, getting in with these guys. They, you're right. They know the problem. They know they have to do this thing. Just like I know stuff about my own self. I have to fix this or else I'm going to have a bigger problem later. I don't do it. You know, I don't go to the gym like I should. I don't go to a trainer like I should. But those periods of life when I have, the gains are immense, even though I don't want to do it or I, I dread doing it. I know these guys are, holy crap, a flight to Chicago from here is expensive. And what's the cheapest hotel? And, you know, that's, that's real. And to, to actually go through with that and follow through 
and commit to your family and to your loved ones that you're going to do this thing, that's huge. Because I'll tell you what, what they also know is my wife's mad. My wife never sees me. She's worried about money. She's worried about my stress level. I'm not the greatest husband that I can be. We don't address whether you're a good husband or not, but we do address are you doing everything you can to create a business that doesn't rob your family of you? And that seems to be a pretty pretty common conversation we're having with this team as well. Right. So um, do the folks who come to the, that specific peer team, yeah. uh, are they already sold on the managed services model or are they there in part to say, convince me? Yeah, they're, they, they're sold on, to, to, to some of them, they see it as no way. Somebody will really pay me 3000 a month and, and all I have to do is make a great network environment for them that's stable and I get paid. They see it. They believe, they believe it can happen for somebody else. Can it happen for me? I don't know. Like that's the, they don't need to convince on the model. They need to be shown that it is possible for you. Ah, okay. And these guys have some recurring revenue, but right. it's, it's, it's enough to give them a little taste and enough for them to say, I want more, but my God, how, how is this really going to work? Right. So that's 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 the trick. Interesting. So last night I was at the local uh, IT Pro user group here in Sacramento, California, mm-hmm. and uh, there was one guy there who was saying that he resists the managed service model because his wife doesn't believe that it's good for their family. Mm-hmm. His wife believes that if he starts signing contracts and has all these people who are paying him a thousand, two thousand, three thousand a month, that they're gonna call him out in the middle of the night and he's gonna have to go. And I'm like, those, to me, those are like unrelated. Like the policy of whether or not I work at night and the policy of whether or not you pay me on a regular basis, (laughs) that's night and day. But to her, managed services means making these big commitments and going deeper into your business and no farther away from your family. And I think that's exactly opposite of reality. And okay, so it's the opposite and let's change the word reality. It's the opposite of what it has to be, but he has trained her. When somebody gives me a lot of money, I do everything I can for them. So she's trained him, he's shown her a reality that she's like, hey, knucklehead, I already saw what happened last time you got a big client. So she's just using deductive reasoning to say, this is going to happen again and again. Right. He probably needs to retool his own brain and, and show her. Right. And, and she's like the bookkeeper in the business. So you know, she sees what actually happens. Um, so that's actually a very good point. So, yeah, he may have had the wrong response initially. Right. He uh, trained his clients wrong. I always tell people that, you know, uh, clients are just like dogs. They will do exactly what you train them to do. So if you train them to call you at 10 o'clock at night, they will do that. Yeah, true, true. So yeah. um, I think you're onto something there. And that's, that's the, these guys do work a tremendous amount. And when you start introducing some concepts about not everything's an emergency, they're not really as, as concerned about it getting fixed this second. They're more concerned about, you know, forgetting about them these things are, are concepts that are hard to kind of put into action immediately because you, as owners, were conditioned to respond, 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 and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. So those first steps are really, really hard. Yeah, it is interesting. There's almost a, 
uh, a difference between the mentality you need to be a good technician and what you need to be a good business person. You know, that uh, a good technician wants to solve the problems, you know, jump in there and, you know, be the hero and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, okay, but I need to make enough money to be able to do this again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, have to, I have to not have such a stressful life that I have a heart attack and die. Right. You know, I mean, that's, that's a reality that happens. And the older that you get, the more you see that, you know, you have friends who are, you know, dropping off here and there or having health problems and whatever. And, you know, you have to have a sustainable business and a sustainable life. And I, I think managed services plays a key role in that. Carl, let me, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, what got you here won't get you there. You've heard that phrase. And sometimes we can apply that to the employees that got you here may not be the employees that get you there. And we've been kind of experimenting with this thought at Barry McKinley that, especially for these guys who are, you know, maybe at the 200, 300,000 range, the clients who got you here may not be the clients to get you there. So maybe let's not focus too much on how this client base, this class of clients is going to respond to these changes. Right. Let's really think about the clients who are probably going to replace these people over time. What do you think about that concept? Well, I'm a firm believer in that. I mean, I, I think that literally every year you should look at your clients and uh, draw lines and say, look, you know, I'm sorry, but the, you know, look at the, the hundreds of hours of labor that go into supporting the top, I mean, the, the bottom 3% of your clients, you know, it's just this disproportionate amount of labor per dollar earned. And, um, and, and this is an area where I've seen people actually mention me and argue with me on Reddit that, oh, Carl says this, what do you guys think of that? And a bunch of people jump in and say, that's my bread and butter. You know, Carl's asking me to give up money that I, I can't afford. And I think that's a broken mentality. I mean, I think if you get rid of your, just, just your one smallest client and take those hours and use them to try to find a bigger client. Yeah. I think you can stair-step your way up and you almost have to. And, and, you know, let's loop it back to our first conversation that we started with. Just as vendors want to look at larger MSPs because they need to be big enough to move the needle, you need to look at clients who are big enough to build a business on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, it's true. And it's, you think about, um, you know, you think about, that MSP that, you know, we, we always know like, oh, we don't want any single client to be more than X percent of our revenue. Well, that's, boy, the bigger you get, the, the easier it is to kind of say that and believe it and live it. When you're a, a you know, one or two man shop and you've got one client who's 60, 70% of your revenue, it's scary. It's scary to think, wow, this guy, I'm, I'm making 30 bucks an hour working for this guy when it's all said and done. But man, I got to have that money flowing in. But what if you didn't? What kind of hunger, what kind of, drive would you make to bring in the right kind of clients? If I could free up that, that 30 hours of service that you're basically giving away, would you be hungry for a month, two months? Maybe. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Mark Smith from Channel Pro. Yeah, yeah. He's got this hierarchy where you start out, you know, kind of not knowing what the hell you're doing, and then you become break fix, and then you become managed services, and you add cloud services. And if you're lucky, you add, uh, you know, security on top of that and sort of work your way up. And he said, you know, you always ask, what's the next thing I can do? What's the next thing I can do? And sort of at the top of that, in terms of being unique in our market is to be a virtual CIO. 
Mm. And he said, the problem with virtual CIO is you can't <coughs> build a business on it because you're now back to the bottom and trading dollars for hours. Right. 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 So if you think about it, a, a, a system that's got, you know, security and cloud offerings and all that stuff at the top. If you then move up to being a CIO, well, you can only sell so much of your time. You can only have so many clients. And when you leave the company, there's no company left because, you know, if you're the CIO, I can't take that over and now become the CIO for all those people. It's a, it's a handful of clients that I've just bought a client list who don't necessarily want me to be their CIO. Uh, so, you know, you move from unsellable through sellable, very sellable, extremely sellable to not sellable at all. Mm, all right. I like that. That's very interesting. Yeah. So you, you got to always be thinking about, okay, so what's the mix of things that's going to make money and not just now because, you know, we, we live in a world where it changes every day. You yeah. know, you and I, if we had this conversation five years from now, it'd be a whole different conversation about what are you seeing in the community and, and right. what kinds of offerings do people have and all of that. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Well, and that's, that's uh, you know, you're, you're never, you, it's, it's, I think, realistic to think that when you're, when you're 400,000 or 300,000, you're really nimble. Like you can kind of switch models pretty easily until you realize that most of your revenue is coming from these two or three clients who really demand this level of service. But on that point, we have one guy in a peer team, maybe I'll run this thought by you. He's got a mix of lots of small clients, you know, and small, small being relative to him and that actually works for him right now. And he, he started asking, you know, hey, should I, should I just kind of go this, this, uh, this security practice? Maybe I just ignore the rest of the network and just position myself as that guy that comes in and I'm your security guy. And I, I got to be honest, that's it's a new, newer concept for me. And I know a lot of people are much further along in that, that thought leadership than I am. But I thought, well, that sounds kind of interesting to if you're in that 400 or 300 range and you are getting buried by the workload and you're not finding your ability to, to solve out of it, maybe you specialize in that security piece. Do you, do you have an opinion on that? I hate to put you on the spot, but <laughs> I mean, what do you think well, about this? It's not like a classic vertical. You know, I don't think security is really a vertical. I think, you know, uh, looking at, um, you know, doctors or attorneys or whatever, those are verticals. Mm -hmm. Security has to be everywhere. But I am a big fan of specialization. You know, if, if you're the person that I say, man, I, you know, I got this client that they have 350 printers, but I don't know what to sell them. I don't know what the right size printer is for the six different kinds of markets that, that they have inside their company, I'm gonna to go to a printer specialist. Mm -hmm. He's gonna you know, take a big piece of the, ch the money there, but he's gonna make sure I provide the right thing to my client. And I think security could be the same thing, especially we're about to enter an era of a complete turnover in what security looks like. You know, as we move to having cloud-based security systems where there's not even a device on site, there's no firewall on site, everything is channeled through a very fast internet connection. That is around the corner. It is just like about to happen. And that changes the nature of security. Um, so I think that that's something that, again, you get in today, I think you can make a ton of money on that. And again, I, I'm always a big fan of trying to figure out where's the recurring revenue. 
<laughs> right, right. That's the piece that matters the most. You know, and I'm, I'm not a, I, I say this everywhere. I'm not a visionary. I'm not good at predicting what's coming next. So what, what I, I kind of have this thought and I'm, I might very well be wrong, but it seems like security, whether it's a firewall in the cloud or on premise, whatever that is, isn't going anywhere, but we might see a reduction in number of servers, number of maybe, you know, classic workstations. We're going to see reductions there and rightfully, you know, the clients might be thinking, well, should my bill be going down or maybe I don't need as much of, of you, the IT consultant, but the security piece seems like no matter what happens, we've got to protect that final mile. Am, am I on the right track there? That yeah, that's absolutely. And you know, what's interesting is that, that people used to buy, and I know you remember this, you'd buy a laptop that was four thousand dollars yeah 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 486 yeah (laughs) no memory you know doesn't hold anything on the hard drive um and the the cost of a lot of our hardware has just plummeted right i mean you can go into staples or or office depot and for three hundred dollars you get a very nice serviceable laptop it's not going to be a power machine but for 300 bucks you're set and um, so it's really hard to argue that you need to maintain pricing on hardware and software. But on services, when you look at the news and you say, I'm sorry, the, there's just a new state law that we have to protect all of the personal data of all of our clients, right, at a much higher level than we ever had before, that's a service that they have to have and somebody's going to sell it to them. And the, the MSP is the natural person to provide that. And so, you know, again, always be looking at what's the next big thing and, and move into that and offer that. You know, a lot of people resist change because they say, no, I'm making money doing this thing. I'm like, okay, uh-huh. <laughs> somebody sold the last roll of film at Kodak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you, you can't always be retreating to what makes money today. Right. Um, Speaking of money, uh, yes. I just want to make sure we get this in before we, we're out of time. You yeah. have, uh, we're going to put in a, a link to the peer groups so yeah. that the people can get engaged in that. Uh, but you have an event coming up um, right after the Super Bowl, right? Or the Super Bowl weekend? Yeah, Super Bowl weekend, that's right. So yeah. talk, talk to us about that. Yeah, this is, this is there's so many great events. And I, I certainly wouldn't tell you our event's better than the other event, but you have limited dollars to go to events. We try to pack so much value into this event. This will be our fourth year of doing it, which, you know, if you're sitting out there listening, that doesn't sound like a big deal to us. That's a big deal. Four years. This is amazing. It's, it's a day and a half. It's really, you know, two days when it, we call the extra session that doesn't cost anything more, but you don't have to go to it. We pack so much value in, and this year we're going to, we're going to take a little different approach as well. We're going to bring in um, my favorite sales coach in the world, a guy named Steven Schiffman, and he's going to be leading at least four hours. We're still finalizing the agenda of hardcore sales training for owners. You know, we're always going to preach that you know you need to hire a sales force and, and go do that. But the reality is you're going to have to sell for a while. And we're going to, he's going to talk to us about how to sell from an owner's perspective and also how to build that first sales team so you're not building it over and over again. So we're super excited to have him. We're in Las Vegas, we're at a great hotel, we have great content. We call it a retreat, and we call it a retreat because we're not trying to lock you down and just pump you full of information. We want you to 
relax a little bit while you work on your business. So we have a really fun agenda. We have a great Super Bowl party. We're going to have Stephen Schiffman talking sales. You're going to walk away just feeling hopefully relaxed, refreshed, and inspired to go home and, and do something. We try to put it all into what can you do right now with this information. We take some of the theoretical conversation that you and I are having here, Carl, and I'm always learning from, and say this is what you can go home and do right now. Very cool. And it's January 31st, right? Uh, it is. It January is. 1st and 2nd? Yes, sir. Yep. January 1st, 31st, 1st and 2nd. That's right. What a perfect time to kick off your activity for the year. Like, beginning of January is kind of a lost cause. I always tell people, like, like absolutely nothing happens the first week in January. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's <laughs> and then right. people start getting back into things, and then all the kids go back to school. So then, you know, second week of January, you're, you're, you're back uh, in line. Uh, so this is a couple of weeks after that and just a great way to kick off the year. So so we'll be excited to have people come come down and see us. It's gonna be this it's gonna be nine hundred and fifty bucks. It's a day and a half, two days really, and you're gonna you're gonna get a lot of stuff. And listen, we know that nine fifty is a lot of money to a lot of folks. We'll take care of you, we'll finance you, and you tell us what you can pay, we'll make sure you can get there. We'll make it easy for you to to come and enjoy this and get some good information. So very good. Well, you guys uh, at Bering McKinley do a lot of uh, interesting trainings and so forth. So it's, it's always good to follow the stuff that you're doing. And I encourage people to try out the peer teams. And, you know, uh, if, if the managed services in a month isn't the right one for you, Bering McKinley does stuff for larger companies as well. So pretty much whatever size you are, they've got something that will fit you. And um, I got to say, if you have ignored the basics, you know, I go back to that analogy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Josh is the man. He will pump them into you. If, if you don't have your numbers, he will literally stop and say, well, let's go get your numbers and then we'll continue this conversation. <laughs> That's right. And I'm going to tie that in as we wrap up, Carl. We're, the, we're, we're working on the sandwich. We work on that foundation, that bottom piece of bread, just as you're saying, so hard so that we can work on the top piece of the sandwich, which is, what's my exit? So we're layering in a lot of information, more so than ever, about business destination planning. Where, how does this thing wind up? Whether it's 20 years, five years, or 40 years, we are always, it's a new thing for us to really focus on what's that business destination plan? Because we know that if you got the foundation right, whatever you do in the middle, you can have some artistic creativity, but at the bottom, at the end of it, it's how does this thing wind up? And that's what we're going to be focusing a lot of time on this year. So well. wild speculation. If people are out there selling their manning service businesses right now, uh, I'm assuming they're not all old like me. So what, uh, what are they going to do? Are they just going to like jump in and become a cloud service provider or start up another business or? <laughs> that's right. That's right. We had a guy sell this summer who's 36 years old. He got a nice chunk of change, but it's not retirement money. But that he has that beautiful freedom to now say, what am I going to go do? I've got some leeway here. That's pretty exciting. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, Very cool. Well, it's, it's great to be in this business at such an exciting time. So, I agree. I agree. Oh, yeah. And then and you and I both, I think, are committed to helping people get rid of the stressful crap and the bad habits and, you know, move to something where you actually enjoy your business. Maybe not for 50 years. 30 years, but for at least the next five. That's know. it, man. That's You're right. You're going to be here. You might as well enjoy it. That's right. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. As always, it's spectacular and the time just flies. So thanks for being here. Thanks, Carl. Take care.